was wonderful. I guess we will, now that, you, now that you're up, grab your Bibles. We are in Hebrews. You know, one of the themes that, throughout the book of Hebrews is the, the, uh, the letter was written to a church that was very, was in a season of great discouragement. They had started off with a lot of joy, but as uh, weeks and months turned into many, many months and years, they became discouraged. And as you're praying for the church in Port-au-Prince, I think there's, there's a lot of joy now from what uh, I am hearing, and there's a lot of encouragement, but pray that they would persevere in that. Pray that they would persevere in that. By the way, I, I don't know if Eric didn't want to boast, but they were in, they were in aftershocks down there. So uh, they got to experience what it was like to be in an earthquake. I think Misty has a story of having to run out of a building at some point. With a bunch of women started screaming. She's like, what's everyone screaming about? There's an earthquake going on. Get out. So uh, anyway, just such a blessing to be able to to be able to have this relationship uh, with this church down there, we actually brought Serge up here and began supporting him before the church even started. So, And then to see it grow just explosively in the ministry down there and, and to be a part of it all has been such a blessing. But we are in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. If you need a Bible, by the way, can you raise your hand? Anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various strange doctrines or teachings. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, for this whole uh, this whole scene that we were just brought into, Father, and I, I just thank you for the privilege of being a part of that. And Lord, it is a ministry of grace. And I just pray, Father, uh, in, that we would understand uh, this morning, grow into a greater knowledge and understanding of what that means to be a part of a ministry of grace, to in our own lives, to be established by grace, to have our hearts be established by grace. That is what we want this morning, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So, I want to pick up this morning where we left off last week. We've been talking about the Bible being separated into two kinds of verses. Uh, no verses and do verses. No K-N-O-W verses and do verses. Most of the verses in the Bible are no verses, K-N-O-W. Verses in which we come, we, we, we come to know God through reading them. And then there are do verses in which God through His Word is telling us what to do. And... I just can't tell you how much it's just my heart's desire for this room to be filled up with people who really want to know God. Who really desperately and intensely just want to know Him. May the cry of our heart be, Lord, I want to know You. The first 11 chapters of Hebrews are no verses, K-N-O-W. 
verses in which we read them. And, and as we do, we get to know God. And then, uh, yeah, as, I, uh, as I read in uh, last week, it's, it's, I, I never get tired of reading these verses. At the beginning of Hebrews, chapter t- uh, 1, verse 2, it says, But in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. And then it goes on to describe His Son. And this is what is described. So that we may know His Son, His Son Jesus whom He has appointed heir of all things. Meaning, Jesus has been given title, ownership, control of all things. Through whom He has made the world. So Jesus actually is the Creator, it says. Who being the brightness of His glory, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of His person. Jesus is the express image of God's person. And upholding all things by the word of His power. Jesus upholds all things by the words of God's power. When He had by Himself, underline that word, by Himself, we'll come back to that, purged our sins, meaning wiped our sins out, and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And and the first 11 chapters is like that. It just describes who Jesus is. That we would... There are no verses. Can O W That we would know God. And uh, there is... Uh, then when we pick up in chapters 11 and 12, we uh, find do verses. Do verses. And there's a reason that the no verses precede the do verses. Because there's no way that you'll be able to do the Word of God until you know who God is. And, and I can, you and I cannot possibly go out and do what God wants us to do until we know who God is. Christians, so many of them in the body of Christ, living a frustrated, fruitless, powerless life. Trying to do what the Bible tells them to do, but failing miserably. Why? Because they don't know God. The God they are worshiping and trying to follow and trying to obey is not the God of the Bible. They've sort of cobbled together different ideas of who God is. Just from the world and the media and growing up, uh, whatever, and in churches that don't teach the Word of God. They've cobbled together sort of a view of God, but He's a limited God. He's a puny God. He's an anemic uh, God. He is a God that has very little resemblance to the God of the Bible. Only when you begin knowing who God is will will you be able to start doing what God has called you to do. Oh, that this room would be filled with people who want to know God, just intensely know Him. So after getting to know God in the first 11 chapters of Hebrews, we're now in uh, chapter 13, and we've been going through some of these do's. We went through them uh, last week. Verse 1 says, let brotherly love continue. Not always an easy thing to do. Some translations, or one way to translate it is, let brotherly love flow. That is, towards each other. Love towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, you know, many people, when they first give their lives to Christ, they think they co- they're going to come into the body of Christ. And that everyone is going to be so easy to love. 
You know, it's just going to be a love feast that never ends. And they find that they're shocked to find out, whoa, what's up with this person? And they're very difficult to love. And, 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 and only as they get to know God can they do this verse, verse 1. Uh, verse 2 continues, not only do we love each other in the body of Christ, we, we are to love strangers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. That word entertain, remember we talked about it, same root Greek word as the word for love in verse 1. So it, what it means is love strangers. Love strangers. Do not forget to love strangers. As you get to know Jesus Christ, you develop a heart not only for people you know, but you begin to develop a heart for people that you don't know. A burden for them. Church is not a country club. We just care about the people in church. Church is always going outward, outward, outward. Verse 3 goes on. A do verse. Remember the prisoners that have chained with them. Those who are being mistreated as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We just can't uh, stick our heads in the sand uh, knowing that there are people being mistreated. We can't just sort of get it out of our heads and just pretend like it's not happening. I think of unborn babies in the womb. And the mistreatment that is happening there, unable to defend themselves or speak out for themselves, being grievously mistreated. The Bible says we must, we don't have a choice, we must remember them. Verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the, uh, the marriage bed undefiled. As we get to know God, we uphold the institution of marriage. You, know, you hear people getting out of marriage and say, and, and you say, well, why, how, why are you getting out of marriage? Is, is, does God, is that okay with God? And you'll hear things like, well, it's okay for me to get out of this marriage because I'm not happy in my marriage and God wants me to be happy. But they would never say something like that if they knew God. That is a twisted view of who God is. God does not want them to uh, be God does rather want them to be happy, but never at the expense of obeying His Word. And there are very limited circumstances that a believer is free to get out of a marriage. But only as we get to know God will we understand that. And thank God that once we know God, there's also He also pours grace in our life and... Uh, and that's what, the, that's what we're going to be getting into this morning because all, all of a sudden we've realized we've done a lot of things that we weren't supposed to do. It's a wonderful thing uh, about the grace of God. And then verse 5 says, you know, let your conduct be without covetousness. Greed. As we get to know God, we step off the crazy American treadmill, the treadmill of covetousness where people are running like madmen and madwomen. You know, I love going down to Haiti. I think this was our seventh trip in, in a couple of years uh, that someone uh, that, that folks in our church went down there. And I love being down there because I realize it, it just it comes into stark reality how foolish American life is when I'm down there. There's this crazy treadmill. Uh, uh, we're, you know, running like hamsters. <laughs> you know, the little dollar bill, you know, that we're running after. 
So all these are do verses. Verse 7, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. And then in verse 8, you can only have so many do verses just because we are we are incapable of, of doing unless we're constantly reminded by the Holy Spirit of who it is that we are doing for. So we have a no verse, K-N-O-W, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus himself says in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's the heart that Jesus has for you. And it's the same heart he had yesterday, the same heart that he has today, and it's the same heart that he has tomorrow. Verse 9, it's the verse we're going to focus on this morning, it says, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. What on earth is going on here? This is a wonderful verse. This is a powerful verse. This verse is one of the reasons I love the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews here. Really, the heart of this verse, it is good that the heart be established by grace. But what's all this stuff about foods and being carried away with various and strange doctrines? Well, people had come into the church here, the church that this community uh, was a part of, and they had tried to complicate the lives of these believers. They had tried to complicate the lives with various and strange teachings. So listen up, because this is important. Your, my, our relationship with God is and should always be the most uncomplicated thing in our lives. Nothing should be more uncomplicated than our relationship with Jesus and what it is based on. According to the Word of God, your, my, our relationship with God is incredibly simple to understand. And it was purposely designed by the Lord to be like that so that whether you are a six-year-old in grammar school... I don't think we have any in here now. They're over in Sunday school. Or a professor at Harvard. You have the same relationship, rich relationship with God. Because it's based on the very same simple things. Our relationship with God is based on a few very simple truths. And that is that one, man's sin, your sin, my sin, separated us from God. And the penalty for that sin is death and hell. 
that Jesus, by Himself, remember we read about that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus, by Himself, no help from me or us whatsoever, Jesus, by Himself, purged our sins, wiped them away by taking our sins on Himself and paying for our sins the penalty that we deserved. And then He rose from the dead and He sat down at the right hand of God. Why did He sit down? Because all the work was finished. And that's all the truth that really we need to know in order to have a rich, everlasting relationship with God. It can all really be boiled down into three words. It is finished. The last three words that Jesus said on the cross, right? He shouted out right before he died, it is finished. Really, all his teaching, everything is that he is about, boils down to that. those three words, it's that easy. All the work that was necessary to bring you and I into an everlasting relationship with with God was finished. All the work was done by Jesus Himself. There's nothing we can add. It's that simple. And brothers and sisters, that's what grace is. That is what grace is. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing we can add. It is finished. It's that simple. That is grace. Now, again, verse 9 there says... Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So listen, you have a choice, and I have a choice. Either you can let your heart be established and remain established by grace, that because it is finished... You have a relationship with God with all the accompanying privileges of that relationship. You can choose that to let your heart be established by grace by the simplicity of those three words that is finished. Or you can replace grace with what the Word of God calls here a strange doctrine. You can add to the simplicity of God's Word with a strange teaching. So what's an example of replacing uh, the simplicity of God's Word with a strange teaching? Well, someone comes along and says, oh, you're a Christian. Well, that's great. But let me ask you, so do you eat fish on, on Fridays rather than red meat? Well, 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 no, I eat the same thing I eat on as any other day of the week. Oh, ooh really falling short of, of what the church teaches. The true followers of Jesus eat fish rather than meat on Fridays. Do not let your heart do not be carried away with various and strange teaching for it is good that your heart be established by grace not which with foods which have not Profited those who have been occupied with them. Someone, someone else comes along. Okay, uh, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, that's really nice. But let me ask you, so what day of the week do you go to church? Oh, oh I go on Sunday. Oh, oh. 
well i have to tell you this that to be a true follower of jesus you need to go to church on saturday oh you're a christian that's great but let me ask you what translation of the bible do you read i read the new king new king james version oh oh you know, to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, you have to read the old King James Version. Hmm. In the book of Romans, Paul says, you follow, you go to church one day, treat it special, another goes to, uh, to church on another day, let everyone be convinced in his own heart, because it doesn't matter what day of the church you're setting aside. What day of the week, rather, you're, you're setting aside. In Colossians chapter 2, it says in uh, verse 16, Let no one judge you in food or drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using. According to the commandments and to the doctrine of men, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. Paul says in Galatians, why when you began with the Spirit do you continue on in your own strength? In the in second, letter of 2 Corinthians, he, sa he, he says, beware lest that Eve was tempted by the serpent that you become corrupted by the regulations of men and the traditions of Don't let anyone knock you off that place of grace. It's such a simple place to be. It's such a simple thing to understand. It is finished. Don't let anyone knock you off that very wonderful, simple, easy to understand place of grace. Let your heart be established, verse 9, by grace. Now, that phrase, let your heart be established by grace, I've just given so much thought to that. What does that mean? Like, how do I do that? I mean, how does someone go about letting their heart be established by grace? What does it mean for me to do that? There's other verses in the Bible like that. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? How can I be strong in the grace? How does someone go about being strong in grace? Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, Sin shall not have control or dominion over you, for you are not under the law, you're under grace. Why is that? Why, why is it that if I understand that I'm under grace, sin's not going to have power over me anymore? 
pray a lot that I would just be able to teach what grace means. Because you know something? No other religion on the face of the earth offers grace. You won't find it. You go out and research and correct me if I'm wrong. No other faith or religion or philosophy of the earth offers grace. I better be able to teach it. (laughs) What does it mean? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. For my heart to be established by grace. Well, I want to draw from a picture which is given in this chapter, actually. Chapter 13. Go over to verse 20. Now, verses 20 and 21 of this last chapter of Hebrews is a prayer. It's a prayer. The writer here finishes off this letter with a prayer. Let's read it here. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here, in verse 20, this is what? Is this a no verse or a do verse? What? It's a no verse. K-N-O-W. Who is Jesus? He is the great shepherd of the sheep. Now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 11, speaking of Jesus, it says, He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with His arms and carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. The prophet Micah, 750 years before Jesus' birth, prophesied where Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. He says this in chapter 5 of Micah. He says, But you, Bethlehem, Epaphra, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, He shall stand and feed His flock in the strength of the Lord. And they shall abide and this one shall be their peace. 1 Peter 2.25 says this. It says this, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And Jesus Himself, In John chapter 10, verse 14, says what? He says, I am the good, what? Shepherd. Verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now I want you to think about this. Because it's so important that you understand grace. And I tell you, Jesus is your shepherd, you're a sheep, and you've got to think about what that means and what Jesus is saying here. I give them eternal life. I, the good shepherd, give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Never perish in the Greek means the same thing. Never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now think about that. And now think about 
the verse here in Hebrews 13, let your heart be established by grace. Jesus says that you are in the palm of His hand. You're in the palm of Jesus' hand, the Bible says. Now, I want you to be honest. I want you to be very honest with yourself here as I ask you this question. And I have a question for everyone in here, and I speak to ask to my own heart as well. So you're in the palm of the hand of Jesus. Let me ask you, how is it that you are able to stay there? How is it that you, 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 and you, and all of you are able to stay there? On what basis are you able, are you staying in the, in the palm of Jesus' hand? Do you ever have one of those dreams where, bad dreams where, you know, this monster is chasing you and the whole whole dream, this monster, this bad guy is chasing you. And he's almost always on the verge of catching you, but he never quite does. But the problem is the dream never ends. It's, it's always like, oh, oh, you know, in your dream, this type of thing. Or, you know, one of those dreams when you're falling off a cliff or a ledge or something, and you're always on the verge of falling. But you never quite do, but the dream never ends. It's like, oh, oh, oh. And, you know, the whole dream, it's, it, it's, it's like that. Is that how you feel being in the palm of the hand of Jesus? Is that how you feel? Always on the verge of falling off. Underneath the hand are the fires of hell. Separation from the everlasting relationship with God. And and it sort of never ends. You're always wondering whether you're going to uh, uh, be able to hold on. Sort of you're on a slippery slope. Barely. It's like this bad dream. If that describes you, your heart has not been established by grace. I can tell you that describes, that bad dream describes so many people in the body of Christ today. Why? They don't know God and they don't know His Word. Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, who's going forth are from old, from everlasting, who stands and feeds his flock in the strength of the Lord, who gathers the lamb with his arms and carries them in his bosom. It says, Jesus says of himself, the, uh, the good shepherd, in John chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Meaning, once you have heard Jesus' voice, once you have heard Him call you, actually Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 3, the sheep, yeah, the sheep hear My voice, I call them by name, and lead them out. If you respond to the call of Jesus in your life, if you have done that, and you've said yes, and you follow, Jesus says, you will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch you off. Now listen, here's, here's what's so key for you to understand. Once you're in the palm of His hand, there's nothing that you can do or not do to get out of the palm. His words, not mine. 
He's the author and finisher of your faith. He doesn't originate your faith, faith and then sort of let you slide off the palm. He says, neither shall anyone snatch you out of my hand. You will never perish once you're in the palm of his hand. Now, there is a reason the Bible refers to Jesus as a shepherd and us as his sheep. Now, sheep are known for two things. They are incredibly dumb. They're completely lacking in wisdom. And they're completely lacking in self-defense. You know, most of us, everything we know about sheep, we know from Mary had a little lamb. You know, everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. So if a sheep wanders from the flock, well, it's no problem. He, he, that sheep's going to find uh, its way back to Mary or whoever the shepherd is. Not so. If a sheep wanders from the flock, that sheep is history. And, and sheep are utterly defensive. You hear this story, stories about these plump little sheep by themselves. They get, they fall over on their side and, and their legs are sticking up like this and they're like a turtle. They, they need a, they, they're defenseless. I mean, you talk about low-hanging fruit, uh, fruit for a wolf. Unless the shepherd comes and he takes them back. Matthew 18, verse 12 says, Jesus speaking here, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus is your shepherd and he knows what he's doing. He's not going to let you fall out of his palm. This is plain and simple. If you understand that truth, that very simple, uncomplicated truth, your heart will be established by grace. You will be strong in grace. Sin will not have power over you because you understand you're not under the law, but under grace. Grace is so empowering once you understand it. And people say, oh, Steve, don't preach about grace. Don't preach that once someone is in the palm of the hand of, of Jesus that they will never fall out regardless of what they do or don't do. If you teach that, they'll become lazy Christians or worse uh, they will go out and do whatever they want to do. P the Apostle Paul had the exact same uh, attack lodged against him. And he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now that I'm in the palm of his hand, I'm just going to go out and do whatever I want to do. I'll go to the brothels and I'll go to the nightclubs and I'll uh, just be a liar, a cheater, and a stealer. No, verse 2, it says, Certainly not. How shall we know? How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Are you crazy? I know the grace of God. I've been saved. I've been born again. I don't want to go back into sin. I'm not going to sit on my can and do nothing. 
I, I'm going to move forward and be strong in the grace of God. That is the cry of the heart of someone who has been really born again, understands grace, and knows the Lord, knows God. When someone's heart has been established by grace, they don't run away from God and rebel against God and His Word. They run to God. They run to the Word of God. They want nothing more than to please Him, obey Him, love Him, and be with Him. That's grace. Let your heart be established by grace. So this morning we are having communion with one, with one another. I actually asked the worship team to come up have a communion service. And communion is a, a solemn and sacred thing. It was established by Jesus for men and women and children who had given their lives to Christ. Communion is not for everyone. And I think Pastor Greg actually said it before, you know, during worship. He, 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 communion is about remembering the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and also His return. Now, perhaps some of you grew up taken communion when you went to, to church, but you've never entered into a relationship with God. That's how I was. I grew up and I would have communion, but I had no relationship with God until I was 24 years old. Perhaps you don't, you've, you know, Jesus, you've never reached that point in your life where, again, the great shepherd Jesus says, I call my sheep, I know them by name, and they respond, and I lead them out. Perhaps you've never responded to that call. Becoming a Christian is not, you're not born into the church. Uh, you're not, you don't be, you're not a Christian because, you know, you're in a Christian, grew up in a Christian family, or because, you know, you're a, you're a good person, and you believe facts about the Bible, actually the Bible says that even the devil believes and shudders. Don't think just believing facts about uh, Jesus makes you a Christian. No, it says, the Bible says that becoming a Christian is just accepting who Jesus is and following him and leaving your life behind. If you've never done that in your life, we're going to have prayer people, uh, prayer groups up here, or just a couple people a few people up here, if you actually have been called, that, uh, if you've been asked to pray, please, if you could come up now. We're going to have people up here who you can just come up and pray with and say, I want to respond to that call. I want to respond to the call of the great shepherd. I want to leave my life behind. And I want to let him now lead my life. Jesus Christ. You know, I have shared this so many times that I, I, I grew up in different churches. My father was a church hopper. He's a searcher. 
which I'm very thankful for, actually, because eventually, uh, my last year of high school, he, he hopped into a church that taught the Word of God. Imagine the thought. And it was there that I first heard uh, the good news of the gospel. Didn't give my life to Christ for about six or seven years, but... Uh, if you had ever asked me prior to the time I really gave my life to Christ, if I was a friend of God, I would have said, of course I'm a friend of God. You know, he, I'm a friend. I call out to him. I pray. And, and I believe the Bible and this type of thing. But, you know, it wasn't until I was 24 years old that I really began to read the Bible and understand that when Jesus calls, He just doesn't want just a little part of me. He wants it all. And I stepped out and I responded to the call. It is those who have stepped out and responded to His call that Jesus has started communion, uh, gave communion for. If you have never done that in your life, the worship team is going to start playing. I'd like you to come up and I would like you to just pray with one of these folks up here. I'll be up here too. And give us just a, a very simple prayer of faith responding to that call. You know, you may say, well, that's crazy. There's all these people in here. Well, every Jesus, when Jesus calls people, he calls them publicly, the Bible says. And most everyone in here is in, it has, has gone public with their faith. If you've never done that, please do. If you... So if you've never respond to that call I want you to come up as the worship team plays in addition to that communion when we take communion the Bible says that let a man let a woman examine themselves before they have communion if there's something in your heart a, a sin that you know you have to let go or some issue in your heart that you want to just pray through with a brother or sister before you go to the communion table Maybe there's a relationship that's messed up. There's bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever. If you just want to come up and pray about whatever, just prior to going to the communion table, as the worship team uh, begins, come come up and, and pray uh, with someone. And um, then, as no, no rush, as the Spirit leads, while the worship team is uh, uh, praying, the rest of you, you can go back. And there's, I think, the table's in the back here. You can get a communion t- uh, cup. And you can get a, a, a cracker and return to your seats and we'll have communion together. Okay, the, let the worship team begin and let's come up if you've never given your life to Christ, if you want prayer. Jesus, I've forgotten the words that you have spoken. Promises are burned within My heart have now grown dim With a doubting heart I follow The paths of earthly wisdom Forgive me for my unbelief Renew the fire again Lord have mercy Christ have mercy
an altar where I worship things of man. I have taken journeys that have drawn me far from you. Now I am returning to your mercies ever flowing. Pardon my transgressions, help me love you again. to just give another opportunity. The worship team's going to continue. If there's fear in your heart and you're reluctant to come up, that fear is not from God. Fear is not from the Lord. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you've never given your life to Christ, or if you feel like there's some kind of obstacle this morning between you and God. Maybe you're a believer and you have responded to the call, but there's something in between you and the Lord, or you don't have that assurance that you're in the palm of your hand. So the worship team continues. Please come up. Please come. Hey, 
1 Corinthians 11.23, this is the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that at the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. For the broken body, we thank you for the blood that was poured. We thank you for the cross. We disagree, Lord, as a fellowship of, of believers, followers of you, that there's nothing that we can do to add to what you have done for us. Not a single thing. We contributed nothing. You gave everything. It costs us so little because it cost you so much. Just thank you for pouring your life out into us, Lord. I just pray for all of us, Lord, as we go out this week, that you would teach us how to let our hearts be established in grace and that we would be strong in grace and we'd walk in it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please rise. We're going to close with a worship song. need thee every hour. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can be support. I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby.
you as you're dismissed and uh, if you need prayer there'll be a couple people in front of the podium here to uh, pray with you